0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org.
1: Grateful for the first advent of Jesus and look forward to the second. You covered it all so well, all of you beautifully. All the ones that have been done this year have been beautifully done. And they may get maybe just the tiniest bit of direction from David, but they pretty much come up with these on their own. So you can see um, we can have a lot of people up here preaching if uh, if uh, something were wrong with me. Now speaking of something on Christmas Eve service. I think I've missed one. This is my 23rd Christmas Eve service here. But Allison is having surgery on Wednesday. It's not nearly as extensive as the others, actually, yet Wednesday. But about the time that block wears off, it's only to foot to clean up a few things. About the time the block wears off, it'll be about Christmas Eve service. So I'll miss the first Christmas Eve service. Perhaps some of the children could take notes or Draw pictures like you did last week. Beautiful pictures that I received from the message last week, and then you can send them to Ms. Allison and me so that we can see what went on here on Christmas Eve, what heresy was creeping up. Like I say, we we are blessed with any number of people who could do my job, which doesn't keep me away too many times, but too many. Um, one last thing. Norma Callahan, how appropriate that college guys were leading the candle this morning. If you remember Max and Norma Callahan, um, founders of the church here at Grace Community Church, big role in the beginning days and met in their garage for a while.
0: Or is it because they discipline you and guide you, even though you are an incredibly mature teenager? Really adult. I don't know years. what a year's mean. How do we know that God loves us? The simple answer is Jesus. But the implications of God's love for us through Christ are boundless. This morning, we receive God's love for us from his word. In Christ, and we acknowledge that God expects that we will love one another as we follow Jesus to the cross, so that life and love may burst forth in our church family. First John chapter 4, we've already heard a few of these verses. I'm so glad they've already shared them with us, but the entire text is chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And there's nowhere near enough time to give this text its due. But there is much to be learned in a brief visit. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. It's a little bit lengthy. And, and try to absorb this because I'm not going to be directly speaking to each one of these verses. But they the whole thing impacts what is being said. Beloved, let us Love one another for love, excuse me, is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. First of two times it will say that in this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. How can you say you love God? Well, one of the ways you show it is that we love one another. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of of the world whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God <laughs> so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us or believe the love that God has for us God is love and whoever abides in him abides in God and God abides in him Because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you and be seated. Okay, since we've already started talking about parents, let me ask you how similar are you to your parents? How similar are you to your parents, no matter what age you are? What would you say? Some of you are like, oh, I hope I'm like my parents, and others are like, I will never be like my parents. As for me, I am not like my father, I am my father. I looked in the mirror and there he is, Billy Talley, big as life. There's a great deal of Bobby Tally in me as well, and I am so grateful for the wonderful influence that they have. I don't have any horrible stories. Some some that some of you have that are really and I'm not comparing or making light. I'm just saying I've got really good memories of my parents, but even if I have picked up a few things from them that that are in the not-so-great category that were passed down from their parents. So the point is obvious. If God is love, and our, our text affirms this truth twice, God is love. If that's true, then if it is also true that we belong to him, we will reflect his character. If our hearts find no love for our brothers and sisters, we have not received God's love for us. No matter how wretched you feel about others or about yourself, as the ever delightful 2020 draws to a close. When you reflect on what God has done for you through Jesus, you will find help to love the ones with whom God has joined you That's a a big word. The gospel lives in these verses, though. We were sinners who were slated for death, not only physical death, but for spiritual and eternal death as well. But God intervened. God stepped in the way and showed his love for us by sending Jesus into the world so that we might, by believing in him, repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus, Live eternally. How was God's love shown to us in Jesus? The sinless son of God sent into the world by the father became a propitiation for our sins. Ah, you say, now I understand. It's kind of like the disciples at the end of John 16, the farewell discourse. They're like, okay, we get it now. And Jesus says, do you? Okay, good. Let's go. They didn't get anything. Propitiation did a pretty good job with that, Levi. I'm gonna have to say that with that word. All right, propitiation. Everybody, here's what. Let me let let me tell you how to say this. Phonics, teachers, just close your ears for a minute, okay? Because you know it's really pro and and all that. But we're gonna say propitiation, just like fish, pish, fish. All right, everybody, say it with me, pro. All right, good. We're on, we're well, we're advanced class here. I, I, I can tell that. Propitiation. What does it mean? Well, let's think about it this way. How many children in your family, now your family or the family in which you grew up in? One, two, three, six, more? I want you to imagine that there are three brothers who have just now been added to your family. And just for the sake of illustration, let's say that their names are, I don't know, Troy, and Levi, and Caleb. And they're under 10 years old. So let's imagine that Troy and Caleb really get into it. They are fighting uh, all over the place, and they're wrestling, of course, and they're wrestling all over the house. And they're really mad with each other. But while they're wrestling and fighting, they're breaking glasses and they're breaking windows and they're destroying furniture. And your mom and dad walk into the room. And what you need to know about your dad, what you already know and the rest of us need to know, is that your dad is the spanking kind. I mean, he's going to spank. And so he says, "Taylor and Troy, you're in for it you get getting the spanking of your life and then you're going to go to your room and you live in the same room. You're going to be there for a month and maybe you will learn to get along with one another in that month. You're grounded. Look, I, I doubt that's going to help, but it's your dad, not mine, okay? Then just as your dad is preparing to administer the punishment, Levi steps up and he says, wait, dad, I'll take their punishment. I know you love Caleb and And Troy, and you know that I love them too. I'll take their punishment. And your dad says, okay. And then he gives Levi what for? And he says, now Levi, you clean up this mess while your mother and I take Caleb and Troy down to get some ice cream. Look, that illustration breaks down in a lot of places. But I think you get the point. We deserved... All the punishment that God could possibly meet out to us. And that's a lot what God can do in his perfect righteousness and in his justified wrath against our sin. And when Jesus came to take our punishment, that's what it's. First, John says he was a propitiation. Romans three talks about the propitiation in his blood. What the world may claim was a cruel punishment, if this is indeed the way it happened, that the father had inflicted on his son. It was instead the greatest act of love in all eternity. And it is an expression of love that ought to deeply affect the way that we feel and act with one another even when our differences are significant. And that, of course, brings me to the issue of mask. Does our text specifically address masks? No, of course not. But it has much to say about our love for one another, going so far as to say that God is love. And if we know him, we will love our brothers and sisters, and if you are thinking, man, I hope the other side is listening, May you, will you stop for just a moment and say, Lord, please apply this to my heart. I, I was surely doing that this week. The first thing I want to say is this. If anyone thinks that she can be 100% consistent on this issue, the only person that she is kidding is herself. He, she, never know what to say these days. We are kidding ourselves if we think we're going to be 100%. You may have explanations to hear, but you're not consistent. None of us is consistent on this, not fully. First Peter 4.8 says we are to love one another earnestly since love is. Covers a multitude of sins. So here's the first question. In this issue about masks, many of you are in the middle. I'm in the middle. I see arguments on both sides. But especially if you lean one way or the other, here's the question. Have you sought to cover your brothers and sisters with whom you disagree on this issue? Or have you sought to expose them? You may argue that there is a lot more to this question than I am allowing, but I do hope you trust my commitment not to misuse God's word to prove a point. And I hope you trust my heart of love for you, every one of you. I recognize that along with everyone else, my heart is desperately wicked, deceitful, above all, according to Jeremiah 17, 9. And it's true that no one can know when he or she is being entirely sincere, but I hope you know again that I love every one of you and I long for us all to love one another earnestly. Look, in this statement, I will neither affirm that wearing a mask is an absolute indication that you love your brother and sister better than others, nor that we should not wear masks because they are precursor to the end times and the mark of the beast, and real Christians just shouldn't go there. Christians who really want to follow God can't go there because of where we know this is leading. You may believe one or the other very strongly, but I think it's a stretch to appeal to Scripture for the right to dismiss brothers and sisters with whom the Lord has blessed you. and with whom the Lord has joined you and blessed you in the body of Christ. From what feels like the shaky middle ground that I so often inhabit. Jeremy Pittman and I were talking about this before the service, being in the middle. From this shaky ground that feels like the middle, I recognize how it could easily come across to other people. And I I want to issue, though, from this spot, a plea. And it's not a rebuke, it's a plea. My plea is for us to love one another. I realize there are two temptations in the middle, self-pity and self-righteousness. Come to think of it, those are on every inch of the spectrum, those temptations, to at least one of those if not, both. We have done everything that we can to walk the tightrope of COVID-19. We have installed an air purification system designed to cleanse the air of the virus, and we pray that it works. I, if it were, if we were 100% sure it would work, I guess we could say no mask needed. It's it's cleansing the air. We hope that is what <coughs> what is <doing. clears> to it. <throat> We have scheduled two services, one with masks required and one with masks highly recommended. And some of the language may be a bit difficult for you. While I understand the need for precision in what we say, consider the heart behind the decision for the different services. By the way, because we may have so many visitors from out of town coming from who knows where Christmas Eve, we may or may not, masks will be required in both of those services as a caution. If you were only comfortable <clears throat> with everyone wearing a mask on Sunday morning, come to the first service. If you prefer to wear a mask, but you are not troubled that others do not, or if you do not want to wear a mask because of a health concern or a spiritual conviction, <clears throat> then come to the second service. Live streaming, which is not an alternate necessarily form of worship here, but it's a, it's a beautiful blessing to those who are at high risk. I talked to Jim and Joy Acock on the way over this morning, recognizing where they are at 94 years of age. Jim said, I can't afford to get COVID and he's not one <clears throat> to cower in fear. Jim is as courageous as anybody, any of us know, but he recognizes that, that and he's at high risk. And so he's staying at home. Also, I imagine his kids have, have asked him to do that. So we provide live streaming. There are lots of different ways, but if you want to be with mask only, come to the first service, which is where you are. You should know uh, that the elders have given the church staff freedom not to attend the second service if they have health concerns uh, or spiritual convictions, I don't think anyone has a spiritual conviction against wearing a mask, but a health concern on the staff, that is, then you don't have to come. Same is true for servers. Some servers are happy to serve in the first service, but not in the second. And maybe some are in the other direction too. The point is we're seeking to consider everyone and making every accommodation that we can in our decision. If your decision is to wear a mask, Can we just trust those who don't wear a mask that they fall under one of these categories, health reason or strong spiritual condition? Don't, please don't judge those who are different from you. And if you choose not to wear a mask, please allow those who feel strongly that they should wear a mask to do so without judgment. I know some of you, if not many of you, feel strongly about your position. But can you honestly look across the aisle at those who differ from you on this decision and condemn them? Condemn the ones that you have long loved and admired and with whom you have worshipped and served the Lord all these years? In the end, you must follow your best understanding of Scripture and your conscience. But the tricky thing about biblical principles is that your understanding grows over time as to how they're used. And also your conscience is somewhat of a moving target as well. Is your conscience exactly the same as it was 20 years ago? Is it going to be the same even in another year? Before you say or do anything further, please give it time and prayer. And First John is a great place to camp for a bit as you contemplate your response. I tend to be a big picture thinker. Not that I'm always right. Far from it. It's just the way my mind works. I'm not surprised that we are where we are in 2020 in our nation. I, Because I think, Kind of in those terms. And maybe it's my extensive time in the minor prophets over the last month, but it does not take a prophet to predict rough days ahead for the church. I, I fear that the United States of America is ripe for judgment. I read the book of Habakkuk yesterday and I preached on Habakkuk from Habakkuk the Sunday after nine eleven when I first when I first saw This is something that should be getting our attention. But as I read yesterday, I literally trembled thinking about the future of our land. And if we are going to come under judgment, the church, which is already much diminished over the last few decades must be further diminished before judgment comes. What better way than to divide over masks? Our pastor in the mountains used to say, the Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. He said, that's going to happen. It does not have to happen to us. This doesn't have to happen to us. Believe me, I've talked with a lot of pastors that, This is a big issue in a lot of places. If we divide over these issues, and I don't think the division would be extreme, but any division is is sad, even just a small one. If a handful of folks walk away, do you think our gospel witness will increase or decrease? Who can say? I mean, Paul and Barnabas split up. The Lord was in that, and the ministry multiplied, but it doesn't always multiply. Since the minor prophets have been on so many of our pines, it seems appropriate to end with verses 17 to 18, which hopefully will bring perspective to the text from the text in Scripture for the, from the last few weeks. Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we might may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, from time to time, I like to test your discernment prowess here at Grace. And so I want to ask, is there anything in these two verses that reminds you of last Sunday's sermon? If you said day of judgment, then no doubt you are a biblical scholar. Good job. I'm, I'm so proud of you for doing that. The fear that is talked about here is cast out with perfect love. That fear is first and foremost a fear about one's eternal destination. Surely it applies to living without fear in this life, but does that mean we live without care? Did Jesus live in terror of the cross? No, he was resolved to go to the cross, but he asked the Father to remove it if there was any other way. Jesus sometimes slipped away from danger and Paul appealed to Caesar when failing to do so would have surely led to a swift execution. But both Jesus and Paul stood strong when it was their time. How can we live without fear of eternal judgment? We trust the Father who loved us enough to send the Son, to be a propitiation for our sins. I'm not convinced we're going to need that we will give an account. Let me start over. I am not convinced that we will have to give an account for where we landed on the issue of mask when we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. I strongly suspect, however, that we will give an account for the way we treated those who disagreed with us on these issues. God's love for us was displayed most brilliantly when the perfect Son of God came in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. As we look to Jesus Second Advent, we do so without fear or condemnation. And as we live this life as members of the body of Christ, we do so without fear and with earnest and sincere love for our brothers and sisters, even those who are totally confused about masks. Just kidding. So as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, one, we remember God's gift of love to us in Jesus. Two, we celebrate life with one another in this blessing known as the church. And three, we look for Jesus' second advent with eager expectation. Let's pray. Well, Father, um, we commit ourselves to you And we can only do that because you committed yourself to us so perfectly and so beautifully, so powerfully. And we commit ourselves to one another as well. As we come to the table, we examine our hearts and confess our sins, which probably are just as frequently in need as the changes that come to our mind every day. Lord, we need you, and we need you to protect our body. We ask that you will, as we come to this table that reminds us not only of the body of Christ in heaven, but the body of Christ in our midst. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.